Welcome, welcome to the good old days of radio show. It's Tuesday. Uh, this is John Tefteller, your host. Once again, we have, and we resume from two weeks ago, we resume our uh, series of shows related to cartoon voices and old-time radio and how they crossed over and the different actors that were featured as very famous cartoon voices that you all remember from watching cartoons in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and then relating those to vintage radio because those people did lots of vintage radio. They couldn't just make a living doing cartoons. They had to do uh, vintage radio on a day-to-day basis to uh, keep food on the table. So we have our special guest, author of the book, Cartoon Voices of the Golden Age, 1930 to 1970, all the way from down under in the beautiful country of Australia, Mr. Keith Scott, the man of a thousand voices. Welcome back to the good old days of radio show. Thank you so much, John. It's great to be here once again. I, I think uh, we, we three weeks ago, we had um, the Lux Radio Theater production of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yes, we did. That landmark landmark feature cartoon of Disney's and today the program is um, the short-lived radio series that really started uh, a year before that Lux broadcast in the first week of January 1938 just as the feature film of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was getting a national cinematic release uh, so it was a, a, a really a promotional tie-in to uh, promote Disney productions and and uh, Snow White, because this is the second episode we're presenting today, and uh, it celebrates the premiere of Disney's Snow White. The premiere really was for the movie industry itself at around Christmas of 37 at the Carthay Circle Theatre, where they had all of the major movie previews, of course. And uh, uh, it, it vindicated Disney because it had been called Disney's folly for the last three years, this idea of a dramatic and comedy feature film with animation where cartoons were known up to that point as being little diversions of six minutes each uh, with zany little characters. And this was this was going to be um, a semi-dramatic uh, use of uh, actors doing the voices and just... Uh, a display of the technical proficiency with which the animation uh, medium had had progressed up to that point. And it certainly was vindication because on that preview, apparently even a cynical old comic like W.C. Fields uh, had to wipe away a couple of tears in some of the uh, moments. And uh, the fact that, that an animated cartoon caused that emotion in him, uh, he was heard to mutter, <laughs> ah, the Disney got me, oh, son of a... So uh, the the uh, the movie itself had become by that stage uh, so well publicized across the USA and the world that uh, um, everyone was talking about Snow White for several months early in 1938. And this episode of the new radio show that uh, Pepsodent decided to sponsor celebrates that premiere of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs with the you know. A lot of the Disney um, short stars like uh, Donald Duck and Mickey himself. Okay, have you ever seen the um, the poster for that radio series? I've seen a couple of things that were on magazines of the day, like uh, you know, um, 
uh, Radio Weekly and, and things like that, but I don't know if I've seen the poster you're talking about. Okay, well, I'm going to have producer Daniel shoot a picture of it, and when we put this one up on Facebook, we can use that image as the image for Terrific. this particular one because about wonderful three or four years ago, I had a call from somebody who uh, said, do you want a poster of Mickey Mouse Theater of the Air? And I went, oh, okay, such a thing exists. And they sent me an image of it, and it's really cool looking. It's it's not in the best of condition, but it's really neat looking, and it has Mickey Mouse on it and all that. So that will be our, our image for this particular Facebook oh, post. Oh, that's great. And it's probably, no doubt, being Disney, it would have been a, an approved one. Probably one of the artists at the studio made the poster. Yeah, most likely. I, I don't know who or when, but anyway, right. that will be there. So, okay. From January 9th, 1938, the short-lived but uh, quite wonderful series, Mickey Mouse Theatre of the Air. Here we go. The Pepsi and Company presents Mickey Mouse with Minnie, Donald Duck, and all the gang. It's Snow White Day on Mickey's show. This afternoon, Mickey Mouse and the Pepsi and Company bring you all the characters from Walt Disney's first feature-length triumph, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And here's one of the hit tunes from the picture, played by Felix Mills and his orchestra, Whistle While You Work. First week of 1938 gone, dare I ask you how you're coming with your New Year's resolutions? <laughs> well, don't we all? But there's one resolution you really should keep, if only from the selfish motive that it's bound to repay you in dividends of joy and happiness. So just resolve right now that come what may for the balance of the new year, you're going to brush your teeth twice each day with Pepsodent toothpaste containing irium, or if you prefer powder with Pepsodent tooth powder, also containing remarkable irium. You'll be thrilled and delighted when you see how speedily Pepsodent containing irium makes your smile far brighter, your teeth more naturally bright and sparkling than you perhaps ever thought they could be. And really, it's no trick, no secret. It's simply that Pepsodent alone contains that marvelous new cleansing agent known as irium. And with the help of irium, Pepsodent can easily and quickly brush away dingy surface stains, 
Those same surface stains that actually hide the true beauty of your smile. With these masking surface stains gone, your teeth then glisten and gleam with all their glorious natural radiance. That, you see, is the miracle of Erium. Why not learn it for yourself? And now here's the Disney gang and Mickey Mouse. Uh, hi, folks. Hello, everybody. Hey. Hey, where's Donald? I was just coming to that. Special announcement. Donald Duck will not be on this program. Oh, oh you mean that? Well, what happened? <laughs> John locked him in the attic. Locked <laughs> him in the attic? That's right, Minnie. I figured he was a menace to the program. Last week, he butted in on everybody, lost his temper, and... Oh, really, I... boy, I'd like to see him now. Well, <laughs> Don't worry, you won't see him this afternoon. Oh, oh gosh, gosh, I, I almost forgot. Here, here's a telegram for you, Mickey. Oh, thanks. What does the message say, Mickey? My dear, vast, impatient public, dry your eyes and keep your shirts on. I'll be with you any minute now. Signed, D-Duck. Oh, but Mickey, how could he? Don't worry, Minnie. I guarantee that Donald Duck will positively not appear on this broadcast. P.S. That's what you think. <laughs> Well, how are you going to do it, Josh? I'll show you how. Hey, Butch. Come on, boss. Oh, boy, look at those tough mugs. Yeah. What do you want, boss? You've locked the doors? Yeah, and garden them. And the windows are barred? Yeah, and what's more, out in the hall, we've got a couple of duck blinds. Okay, we'll get back to your posts. If that duck shows up here this afternoon, I'll crush him with my bare hands. <laughs> what's the matter, John? Having duck trouble? Plenty. I've... Oh, hello, Walt. Ladies and gentlemen, Walt Disney. Uh, I thought you'd remove the duck from the program. Well, I still think so. You see, Walt, radio just doesn't seem to be Donald's medium. In the first place, you can't understand a word he says. And yeah, I... <laughs> and if you could, you'd have to throw him off the program. <laughs> Say, by the way, Walt, you haven't forgotten, have you, that today's the day you promised to introduce all the characters from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Right you are, John. Hey, Goofy. Yeah? Bring on the mirror. You want your brush and comb, too? <laughs> oh, Goofy. <laughs> the magic mirror, the one from Snow White. Okay, Walt. Yeah, there we are. The mirror that knows all and sees all. Last week it took us back into the past. But this week, we'll have it bring the past up to us. Okay, Mickey, call on the magic spirit. Slave in the magic mirror, come from the farther space. On wind and flame, I summon thee. Speak, reveal thy face, and make it snappy. I hear. I come. What seekest thou of me today? Command me, master. I shall obey. Okay. Oh, wondrous magic mirror, bid Snow White and her prince appear. Hey, gang, I want you all to meet the little princess, Snow White. Oh, oh gosh, isn't she beautiful? Oh, isn't she beautiful? Thank you. And how do you do, Mr. Disney? Hello, Snow White. I hope we didn't disturb you. Oh, no. When the mirror called me, I was thinking about the day long ago when I was scrubbing the palace courtyard, dressed in rags. Well, that's great, because the reason I had the mirror bring you here was to have you sing exactly as you did that day. The wishing well song? That's the one. And when you finish, the mirror will bring in the prince. And when you run back up into the castle, the prince will sing to you 
just as he did in the picture. Oh, Mr. Disney, I'd love it. All right, Princess. Now you've gone over to the well to get another bucket of water. The birds gather around to watch, and you talk to them. Want to know a secret? Promise not to tell. We are standing by a wishing well. Make a wish into the well. That's all you have to do. And if you hear it echoing, your wish will soon come true. I'm wishing, wishing for the one I love to find me. Seems to waken a new rejoicing 
You know how to get her here. Magic mirror, do your stuff. Bring on the queen and make her tough. Uh. It's the wicked queen. Oh. Run, Snow White, hide. Apples, apples, ripe, red, juicy apples. Who will buy my poisoned apples? <laughs> Hello, Disney. Have a bite? <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> Say, uh, what's this I see sticking out from under all those apples in your basket? Ooh, looks like a tuft of tail feathers. That would seem to be a stowaway. <laughs> My mistake. I think I shall have a bite. <laughs> Hello, Donald. Imagine meeting you here. Why, it's not an apple at all. It's a darling little duxy-wuxy. Now, my fine gallant duck, wouldn't you like a bite of this beautiful magic wishing apple? Make a wish, take a bite, and your wish comes true. Isn't there something, someone your little heart desires? Uh-huh. Shirley Temple. <laughs> well, Shirley Temple, you shall have. Shirley Temple. Now, Shirley surprise. Come, come, take a big bite before your wish gets cold. Okay, I go. <laughs> he bit it! He bit it! Why, why, he's turning into an egg. Ooh. Hey, here, I'll hold it up. Oh, let's listen to poor Donald. <laughs> <laughs> Our little feathered friend is an egg now, huh? That gives me an idea. Come in here, boys. Come in, boss. What do you have? Here. 
Take this egg and throw it as far as you can. Okay. Good. Now get back to the duck blinds. Well, Walt, that definitely gets rid of Donald on this program, huh? <laughs> okay, John, have it your own way. Hey, Walt, how about bringing the dwarfs on now? Don't ask me, Mickey. Ask the magic mirror. Okay. From the cottage in the glen, please bring the seven little men. Yeah, they all have long white beards, except Dopey. Yeah, I see him. He's on a step, Waltz. Always. <laughs> what makes their noses so red? Technicolor. <laughs> wow. What a snozzola on old sourpuss over there. <laughs> That's grumpy. They're taller than I expected. Yeah, waist high. Well, what do they do with those picks and shovels? They dig. Gold, precious stones. The seven jewel hills are solid with me. <laughs> We're in the wrong racket. <laughs> Say, when they see all these people out there, they'll run like scared rabbits. Watch. Listen now, now, there, there, Doc. Take it easy. Why, it's Worcester Misner. It's Disney Wisner. It's Whistler's mother. Uh, 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 why, hello, Walt. <laughs> now, listen, Doc. These people won't hurt you. They're friends of yours. They are? Don't be a fool, Doc. There's women out there. <laughs> That's all right, Grumpy. There's nothing wrong with women. There ain't, huh? Well, women is females. And where there's females, there's trouble. Hey, Walt, here's one I found under the piano. Why, hello, Bashful. Uh, hello, Mr. Disney. Oh, God! <laughs> uh, come here, Minnie. I want you to meet some of the dwarfs. Oh, I'd love to. Now, uh, this is Doc. Uh, he's sort of the leader. Huh? I'm awfully glad to meet you. <laughs> you hear that, Ham? Ma'am? She's mad to? Uh, she, she's bad to? Uh, <clears throat> I'm delighted, ma'am. Yeah, mush. Ooh, I'll bet you're grumpy. Yeah, here's a couple more, Walt. They were hiding behind the bass drum. <laughs> Thanks, John. Hello, Happy. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Disney. <laughs> Hello, Sleepy. What were you doing behind the bass drum? <sighs> it was the quietest place I could find. <laughs> Minnie, this is Sneezy. I'll be ready to talk. How do you do? Pleased to meet you, to meet you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to Thanks. That's a fine time you picked a sneeze. Well, I didn't mean to. I can't help it. When I got her, I got her. And I got her. Uh, I got her. I, uh, <laughs> oh, let me see. Let's see. There's there's uh, six here. There's six of them here. Who's missing? Look, I got them, Walt. I got both of them. Both of them? Yeah. Wait a minute. That can't be. There's only seven dwarfs. I know this one. <laughs> yeah, that's dopey. He don't talk none. You mean he can't talk? He don't know. He never tried. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's something wrong here. 
Who's this dwarf with the fuzzy beard and his hat pulled down over his face? Why, why, hey, look, Ant Man. Uh, who am I? Uh, I mean, who are you? Yeah, yeah. who are you? <laughs> well, Donald, I'm glad to hear you admit it at last. <laughs> Donald, which one of the seven dwarfs are you? Number eight. Number eight? <laughs> that ain't no dwarf. <laughs> Look, he's got feathers. I can't stand feathers. I got hay fever. I can't take him away. I can't. Look out, Donald. Look out, Donald. You're right in line. I can't. <laughs> Hey, Donald, cut it out. You'll kill him. He can't fight. Here he comes again. I, I can't stand it. Them, them feathers. You, you gotta keep. You gotta keep them over. I can't stand. I That's you. Ah! Hey, 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 whoa! The duck's going clean through the window. Uh, shall I call an ambulance, John? No, just guard the window. <laughs> Thanks, Neasy. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. I, I just... I, look out. Uh, <laughs> I got it again. Uh, look out. I got... Uh, Listen, fellas. Hey, fellas, fellas. How about uh, listen now? How about celebrating the duck's departure with some singing and dancing? Oh, Come on, yeah. man. man, get out your instruments. Instruments. Eh, they're home, you ninny. What? The magic mirror. Right, Mickey. Hey, magic mirror. I hear. Take us to the seven men, to the cottage of the seven little men. I, Master Shelby, through the mirror. Follow me. Okay, gang, come on. There it is, gang, the dwarf's cottage. Oh, it looks like a doll's house. Low bridge, gang, this door isn't shoulder high. Here, let me, I'll leave you. Shut up and open the door. Careful now, careful. Don't dump your bed. Uh, bump your head. Look it, look her. Uh, Light the candle. Okay, ha, I got it. Oh, Ooh. Mickey. Look, Mimi, oh. seven of everything. Even seven little chairs. Yeah, seven chairs and 50 of us. Sit down, everybody. Find your chair. Get up and find your place to sit. I knew it. Come on, man. Get your instrument. Yeah, stand aside there. Stand aside. Get out there. <laughs> okay, Grumpy. All right, everybody. Now, here's the dwarf band with Grumpy playing the pipe organ, sleepy, sleepy toodling the fish horn, dopey beating the drums, bashful blowing on the jugs and bottles. And what do you call that thing of yours? Stevie? It's called a, a sniffle snuff. You snuff in here and sniff out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about it? All set, Doc? All right, man. One through T, uh, one T through, uh, play. Uh, 
I used to dance and tap my feet, but they won't keep in rhythm. You see, I washed them both today, and I can't do nothing with them. The polecat up a tree way out upon a limb. And when he got the best of me, I got the worst of him. I was born so long ago, I felt so high and mighty. I tied my whiskers round my legs and I used them for a duck. I did, I did it. I, I used them. I couldn't. I'm, you're no good. I, uh, for a nighty. <laughs> on the rafters. <laughs> oh, that was fun. Now, now, why don't you do something, Princess? Yeah, oh, sing us a song. Oh. A love song. Yeah, a love song. How about uh, Someday My Prince Will Come?
Why not make sure that 1938 is a banner year for you, full of good times, fun, and romance? Start right now to use either Pepsodent toothpaste or powder containing irium and see what a big difference a naturally radiant smile may make in your life. For thanks to the miracle of irium, Pepsodent can make your teeth shine and sparkle with such a glorious natural luster that your whole smile seems actually gayer, more dazzling, and your whole personality seems to sparkle with a new appeal. Yes, this new thrill can be yours in the year ahead if you'll only change over right now to Pepsodent containing irium. And remember, Pepsodent with irium works safely because it contains no bleach, no grit, no pumice. And here's a special word to boys and girls. Pepsodent with irium tastes swell. You're bound to go for its keen, tingling taste. Ask mother to order either Pepsodent toothpaste or powder today. Both contain irium. Say, thanks a lot, Walden Mickey, for bringing Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs here this afternoon. Oh, don't mention it, John. But say, how about re- re- relenting a little bit <laughs> and letting Donald Duck and his Webfoot uh, sextet come on the program next week? Webfoot sextet? Yes, sir. Six of the hottest ducks you've ever heard. Well, you mean that mess will do all the playing? Oh, no. We'll have Felix Mills and his orchestra here, you know, just in case. Well, okay, Walt, but I'm again it. Just the same. Thanks for this program, anyway. So long, John. Goodbye, folks. Tune in again next Sunday at the same time when the Pepsodent Company will again present Mickey Mouse and all the Disney gang. This program has come to you from the Disney Little Theater on the RKO lot. John Heaston speaking. This is... That's right, Donald. This is the National Broadcasting Company. And that was a live program, live on the NBC network, January 9th, 1938. Walt Disney and his whole cast of characters there. Keith, uh, why do you think this show flopped? Uh, That's a good question. I really, I think Disney himself always was a little suspicious of this show working because uh you know his his whole medium was uh, a visual medium animation and uh, he was the king of it in terms of wanting to improve all of the animation techniques so uh in at one point in 37 while snow white was rapidly you know approaching completion they discussed doing this same show and then he got cold feet uh, it was going to be for uh, uh, Rinso, I believe. And then the Pepsodent Company came back and sort of pleaded with them because um, they were about to lose Amos and Andy, whose nine-year contract um, came to an end right on the last day of 37. And that was, you know, Pepsodent was sponsoring Amos and Andy, and they had a new deal for Campbell Soups. So uh, they had a hole in their schedule. They were sponsoring Bob Hope, but they had this... Um, this whole in an afternoon slot, uh, which would have been perfect for the you know the kids in the audience, 
and they managed to um, offer enough money because Disney, some of Disney's staff was being raided by MGM's new cartoon plant. So the budget was really high on this show. It was like between ten dollars and $12,000 a week. And uh, that was pretty big money in those days for um, kind of a novelty radio show. But uh, I think um, he always had a suspicion about the character's needing to be seen rather than just heard. That's what some of the reviews in, in the trade papers like Variety also concurred with him. And then there was always the thing that he himself was a little self-conscious. I mean, he was a great performer in front of his staff when he was going over a storyboard. They said he was a gifted actor, but uh, he um, was very self-conscious in front of the public. And in fact, even in a few interviews, he said that he was... Uh, he always felt a little foolish doing Mickey's high-pitched voice. So, <clears throat> interestingly enough, on the uh, show, after a couple of weeks, Walt Disney bowed out because uh, he was simply too busy. And um, he um, allowed John Heastand, the great announcer of the show, to do Walt Disney's voice as well as the announcer. <laughs> and and Heastand was already doubling as the voice of the Magic Mirror in this series. And then later on, they got a guy who, in this one that we've just heard, they couldn't get the original Doc, which was Roy Atwell, and they used a, a sound alike who could do that stammering um, confusion, um, a guy called Joe Twerp, who was a comic and a comedy writer. And he ended up doing Mickey Mouse in most of the later episodes. So there's a lot of uh, confusion about some of the voices on this series. Uh, when I was doing research at the Disney archives in in the late 90s, they had all the scripts of each of the episodes, but no front page with the uh, cast members. So that's another source of uh, frustration for researchers. But uh, that that really was the consensus of opinion that after a while, even though the, the show um, lasted 20 weeks, uh, and they did a lot of adaptations of some of their own cartoons, like Who Killed Cock Robin and King Neptune, all the silly symphonies, it was great hearing Donald Duck and uh, Mickey, you know, the big bad wolf and all these characters. But I think even the public possibly subconsciously knew that uh, it was a little disappointing that you couldn't see these characters. They were just, you know, meant for the visual medium. When you were doing research at the Disney archives in 1998, did they have transcription discs of this series? No. No, they had a few discs of some of Disney's guest appearances on other sh shows, like one-off shows. But uh, I believe that the source for all of these uh, these shows was the Felix Mills collection. Are they all available? I think there's one out of the 20 that's uh, never been found. And it's uh, frustrating, too, because it's uh, an early version of Cinderella, like uh, 12 years before the movie of Cinderella. Okay, I have to check the discs I have. Um, is it yeah. possible that he did have that and just held that one back? Either that or it was just... Um, set Missing. aside somewhere else yeah, okay. in his garage or whatever. But um, uh, I, if if you do find it, I believe uh, it's, uh, let's see, it's February the 20th, 1938 is the okay. one that was. Okay. Well, when I get to the open that box, because I saw them once when I moved the collection, right. when I open the box, right. if I see February 20th, 1938 in there, I'll know I have something special. Well, they're all special. I mean, these are, these are pretty special. They maybe they, they maybe weren't considered that, so special back in 1938, 
but boy, they sound special now. That was that was really interesting to hear that. Well, they re- they're historically uh, really uh, valuable, uh, and and all of the other ones. I mean, that was that was kind of a very busy show because it was all to, all about premiering Snow White. But most of the others are, are the fictional adventures, and and it was also confirmed by Felix Mills in in one interview that. Uh, when you hear Donald Duck's uh, little offshoot band, the Webfoot Sextet, in most of the shows, they play a novelty number and they sound uh, like precursors to Spike Jones's band. And Felix Mills confirmed that Spike Jones was the studio uh, percussionist on that series for every episode. And um, Yes, he, I um, had heard that before. Spike Jones is playing drums on these. Right. And you can hear the little bells and things that he, he uh, hits on all of his uh, famous records. And uh, apparently he... Um, he confirmed that Spike Jones did ask permission to uh, form a band using some of the techniques that they they worked on in the Disney um, studio in the sound department for the uh, and what became Spike Jones and the City Slickers. Right. Well, I'm very surprised Disney did not have transcription discs of this because I had always assumed they did, and that Marty Halpern was the only one who had copies outside of Disney. But I guess not. I, I didn't see them listed in the Disney holdings, but uh, who knows what happens to things over the decades. Um, it could it could be that one of Disney's relatives is sitting on a personal collection of his discs of this series in the attic somewhere. You know, you hear so many thousands of stories like this. And, of course, I did notice uh, Billy Gilbert as Sneezy again on this one. Oh, yeah. No, they, used, they definitely used some of the voices from the movie. Billy Gilbert was very apparent. I think Scotty McCraw was the original Bashful, and he's in that particular show. And uh, Joe Twerp, as I said, filled in for Doc because they couldn't get Roy Atwell. But uh, the yodeler that they got uh, was a, later a famous country artist, Zeke Clements. Oh, and, um, well, yeah, he was, he was pretty popular, especially in the California uh, area. Yes, yes. And, and he, he uh, in his memoir, uh, mentioned to the Country Music Hall of Fame that um, while he was there, uh, he approached Disney because they'd tried some yodeling family and kept some of their stuff in the film, but they wanted more flexible yodelers. And uh, he, like uh, some of those country artists, had a really flexible yodel what? in that, that, uh, in that silly song. That you alluded on a, when we were talking about the Snow White, I think, or maybe it was when we were off air discussing some of these things, you alluded that Disney was not happy with having an audience present at this show, and yet there right. was an audience. Right. We heard them. Yes, yeah, so that was one thing I think he mentioned even uh or that was mentioned in one of the newspaper reports about this series that uh, he, again, was one of the reasons he bowed out of performing on the show and had people, he approved people substituting and pretending that they were actually Walt Disney because, again, it was his own self-consciousness but also his long-held belief that the animation medium, uh, the illusion was spoiled if they saw actors holding a script to a microphone and, and doing a voice he he was a stickler for this illusion, <clears throat> and that 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 became one of the reasons uh, voices weren't credited in those days. It was enunciated by Walt in in certain newspaper interviews that uh, I don't want to spoil the illusion of these characters that we worked on. And then the cynical side of the argument that some people said is, yeah, but if he if he did credit the actors, they'd probably ask for more money. So, you know, <laughs> believe which side of the story that you want. <laughs> and, of course, your book is Cartoon Voices of the Golden Age, 1930 to 1970, and you go into right. all of the 
connections between vintage radio and vintage cartoons and the people behind them. They finally get identified yeah. and pictured and all the rest of it. So uh, anyone interested? And of course, there's also a lot of, lot of narrative about, you know, the history of how the advent of Snow White and, and his features changed animation acting so that it also became a lot more like radio acting rather than the earlier ones, which were just trick voices like Popeye or Goofy or voices like that, which were, you know, much more what you call cartoony with the inverted commas around it. Okay, so uh, anyone interested, and hopefully lots of people are interested, because if they weren't interested, why are they listening to this program? <laughs> but they need to check out <laughs> your book and um, you get all those backstories and details and interesting tidbits that some of which you're uh, sharing with us here today on the good old days of radio show cartoon voices of the golden age by keith scott uh, our guest today on the good old days of radio show from the land down under in beautiful australia and we will be back next week what do we what do we have for next week to tease the audience here just a bit well, there'll be a total change of pace because uh -oh. this next week uh, will be the great uh, dramatic series called Escape, which is, I think, my all-time favorite uh, uh, and many other people's favorite radio drama series. This one will feature, in the cartoon connection, voices from the Jay Ward production studio that did all those great satirical Bullwinkle cartoons. The lead role will be the great Paul Freeze, the voice of the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland, and the opening announcer and one of the characters within the show is the great William Conrad, who, uh, you know, became famous as Marshal Mad Dillon on radio's Gunsmoke, but also was the high-voiced, compared to his normal deep voice, the high-voiced narrator of, of uh, the opening of Rocky and Bullwinkle, you know, a thunder of jets in an open sky, a streak of grey and a cheerful... You know, that, that voice. <laughs> yeah, I actually is, didn't, until you did it, totally, I didn't realize that was William Conrad, but okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally different from when he was Matt Dillon, the United States Marshal. All right, and what's the title of the Escape episode for next week? Uh, it's a great one for, from the horror author Algernon Blackwood called Ancient Sorceries. Oh, I know this one. That's one of my all-time favorites from Escape, and we haven't done that yet. So, yeah, Ancient uh, Sorceries. That actually should be used as a Thursday horror show, but since we have you on as a Tuesday guest, we'll let it slide and just warn <laughs> the folks that normally listen on Tuesday for more lighter fare that they might be jolted out of their seat a bit with this one. So, <laughs> Yeah, great tale of uh, lycanthropy. <laughs> well, back next week uh, with Escape ancient sorceries and uh, a warning in advance it's a great one uh, don't miss this one and uh, thanks keith scott for appearing with us again on the good old days of radio That's a show you'll be back with us again next week and we will continue on from there so until then this is john tefteller saying thank you all for listening and goodbye